Hello and welcome to Advice Worth Keeping, a podcast series where we provide insight into business issues to help you lead with confidence. Today we're talking about data-driven strategies to power business transformation. And in this episode, Michelle Kent discusses KPMG's change by design approach and how our platform blends data, empathy, and understanding to fuel the human-centric change management required to thrive in the digital world. Hello and welcome to our ongoing series of conversations with people that are bringing clarity to our digital lives. Extremely fortunate today to catch up with Michelle Kent. She's a principal in the advisory practice for transformation delivery at KPMG. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Absolutely, my pleasure. So Michelle, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, data-driven strategies to develop human-centric approaches to managing change uh, and to achieve sort of future state objectives for organizations across the spectrum of industries. Uh, I wanted to start by asking sort of your views on the current state of change transformation as you work with your clients. It's very mixed Um, and it, it, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for that, but you know, I, I think we're seeing companies who are willing to do it in these kind of faster, smaller, bite-sized chunks, recognizing um, that it's no longer about perfection. Mm. They're a lot more effective in, in terms of success. But um, you know, in in the past, you know, we we had data around seventy percent were were failing. I I think we're definitely seeing. Um, increase success. What's interesting though is people tend to focus on those failures a bit more than the successes because it's almost like when you hit success, you're you're moving on to the next thing and not taking a moment to say, wow, we were successful. We got that done versus the failures really stick with people and, and I think often are a little bit more memorable. For people. Interesting. Well, with that, uh, what, are, what do you see as some of the most common causes of failure or, or at least suboptimal performance when it comes to change management initiatives? The number one thing that, um, you know, as a firm, we've done research and, and just anecdotally, I think most people from an experience standpoint would would share as well is that leadership um, is often the, the most critical success factor from a, a people perspective. Without the leadership support, leadership stepping in, sponsoring, champion, role modeling the right behavior, um, it's really hard. You might have a great team, but it's really hard to continue to move forward, to break down those barriers um, and to see the success that's necessary. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there, I think there's a lot of other things around giving it the right degree of effort, making sure what you do, both from an overall project plan, but also from a people perspective, is fit for purpose. It really fits the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear, it's tangible. You know what you're trying trying to do and, and trying to get done. Yeah, and and I guess that raises the whole issue of transparency, you know, and, and connecting the dots between what leaders want and, and, and you just mentioned making it tangible to the employees. How well are people seeing both the full end of that spectrum, you know, what the intent is from a leadership perspective and and how employees grasp it in terms of, oh, yes, I understand what I need to do. I can help make this this change management, this transformation occur. And understanding the specificity and the detail around what's changing so you can be transparent is the most difficult thing, um, I think, from a change perspective. And it's 
you know, we talked about the current environment. I think it's even more difficult now because most transformations, most changes that companies are undertaking, they don't just affect a couple of people or they don't just impact one function, even if it starts say in finance, there's implications to, to the business, to HR, to supply chain, to IT. And so understanding all of those elements, how they fit together, the implications of different decisions, and then understanding you know, for a financial analyst versus an IT analyst versus a, the controller, you know, what what are they going to do differently? What do they need to do differently? What is it going to mean? And really teasing that out to be transparent and get them that information is not an easy thing to do. And that's, you know, I, again, I talk about the art and the science, the science of truly asking the questions, what is that going to mean? What is that going to mean for that role? You know, and, and often we have to ask that five different times to get to the crux of, from a people perspective, here are the implications, here's what that person's going to need to know, what they're going to need to do differently. And we're talking about hundreds of roles and people working differently. That's a lot of information um, to, one, understand, and two, share in a way that is spe specific um, and can give people that transparency and insight from their perspective versus just broad general information. Well, so Michelle, that's very interesting because it sounds like you're, you're, you really are approaching it from, from, from two angles. You, you've definitely started with this human centricity, but you've also talked about this vast amount of data or information that needs to be shared. I guess my question is what role do, does data-driven decision-making, which is elevated, created so many headlines in the technology press. What role is that playing in supporting transformation the way that you're discussing it right now? Well, you know, it's interesting. The need for it has always been there. It's just been a very much a challenge because how do you get data around how people are feeling, what they their need, marrying that with the data of what the change may look like, even though you don't have all the information yet, and that's where, as KPMG, we built what we're calling ChangeFrame, which is that digital platform that does two things. It takes the information, um, the concepts, and creates that transparency. So if you are the financial analyst at a particular site in the country, we can give you the information of what, what's going to happen, right? What are the changes going to mean for you? But we're also able to ask you as that individual, what do you need? What are you struggling? When you get, when we give you information, is it helping you? Does it make sense? What questions do you have? And be able to respond to one at that kind of individual level, but also look at the themes across and say, well, if that person has the question, does everyone with that role have the question? Could we then get the information to everyone who has, has that role or is in that part of the organization? And that starts to create right agile change in terms of responding, meeting people kind of where where they're at, what they need as things evolve and as we learn more. And it's it's that two-way information, that transparency kind of back and forth that can happen on a, a weekly or a, an even a daily basis as you get closer to say a go live. Interesting. So explain uh, specifically what are the moving parts of ChangeFrame? Is, is it an app? Is it a, is it a website? What, 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 is, what does it look like? So it's a platform that you can access mobily on, on your mobile device or from your 
from your laptop. And when you sign in, you log in, it's specific to you or it welcomes you. Um, you're able to get essentially what we call activities that ask you to read information, to provide feedback, answer questions, watch a video, all information we, that we think will be useful for you as the person who's going to be impacted by this transformation and taking them on the journey. Because early on, we don't have all the answers, but we're telling them, right, that we don't have all the answers. Here's what we're intending to do as a transformation effort, asking for their input so they can, you know, maybe provide input on the design or what are their current challenges today and things they'd like to see going forward as a part of that change. And as you get closer and you move along and, you know, a lot of these transformation journeys are say a year long, you're able to give them more information. And we know, you know anyone can take a personal um, example in their life and you need time to get comfortable with the change, to be familiar with it. And you want to feel like you helped shape it. And so this platform is taking people on that journey and, and helping them shape what that future state looks like, um, as well as the support they get in moving to that next step or, or kind of the new ways of working. So I think that it's a very interesting observation because it, it does sound like uh, you're, uh, you're adding a dynamism to it that is inherently human, right? Because when I typically hear about data-driven, it's, it's a little bit rigid. We're going to collect this set of data, we're going to analyze the heck out of it, and we're going to give you a result. But it sounds like the, uh, it's a moving target and you recognize that it's a moving target and the data Require, data gathering requirements adapt to that, uh, to, to, to that evolution. Am I capturing that correctly? You're spot on. When you think about people, I mean, we feel different day to day, right? Different things happen. We have different needs. And so you can't just take one moment in time and expect that three months later, it's going to be pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's from a data perspective. When we're talking about people, it needs to be you know, much more dynamic in terms of understanding and because we're responding and reacting, you know, we're not, if people have questions that they have concerns, we're not going to wait three months to answer them. We're going to answer them the best we can at that time. Um, and if there's still answers that are, you know, we don't have, then we can, you know, maybe that's not for three months, but we're at least going to tell them here's why we don't have the answers and here's what you can expect. And, and when. Very interesting. So, uh, the change uh, frame, I guess, actually fits into a broader practice that KPMG has in the market known as change by design. Tell me a little bit about change by design and, and, and how that fits into the discussion that we're having. Yeah, and I, again, it's taking that human-centric approach. I think in the past, people would say, all right, we're going to we're going to design and build this thing and then and then people are just going to adopt it and just before we we're going to implement we're going to we're going to tell them what they're supposed to do and and they're going to adopt it and again you know when you think about your own personal experience with change it's not very fun to just be told what you're supposed to be doing going forward and not have input into that especially when people who are close to the work have really good ideas of how it could be done differently or how it could be done better. So what we're saying now is, you know, if if we really want to affect change in a in a positive way and move faster, we need to take into account the people who are going to need to change what they need and want in the future. So from a human-centric design standpoint, how do we design a future 
um, of, of the work that they're going to be doing that really addresses their needs and what we're trying to achieve from a business perspective. They're close to it. They know it. So why not involve them in a way? We can't take them out of their jobs and make them full-time as part of the project team, but why not really capture those insights and take them on the journey and have them help us design that? We know from a change standpoint that that makes a huge difference, right? All of a sudden it's not, hey, this is something happening to me. This is something I helped build and design and, and now we're moving forward with. And I understand why decisions were made, what those implications are when it's time to go live because I was a part of it. And when you think about from a, a change management standpoint, if you wanna shift someone's mindset, if you really wanna get them ready, it's not always just a communication or an email, it's experiences and be a, being a part of something that really shapes people's mindsets and shifts their thinking mm -hmm. and, and pushes them and gets, gets them ready. So if we take, you know, really thinking about the future state design as well as the experience to get there, we think we're gonna get two things. One, it's no longer just about, hey, we're gonna, people are gonna adopt it. Like they're gonna, they're a part of that change. They're ready for it or getting ready for it as they go. And we also believe that the design itself will be significantly better. Interesting. So it's a fascinating concept. It's difficult to disagree with anything that you said. It, it's, it just makes a tremendous amount of sense and it makes you wonder why it hasn't been done before. Um, but perhaps you could illustrate it. Can you give me an example of an engagement that you've had that have, uh, that, that have applied the principles of human-centric uh, change by design, uh, human-centric uh, uh, strategies for, 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 making, uh, for making these transformation initiatives? In, the, in this example, um, it was a, a CPG company. And I, I wouldn't say um, they weren't good at digital, but they're very relationship oriented, um, you know, great, strong culture, but it wasn't necessarily a culture that always did everything digitally. They, you know, typically call up someone, have a conversation. And so mm -hmm. that was a huge switch for them. I think the fact that they could get information, have responses happen quickly, consolidate that information and get it out, they, they adapted pretty quickly recognizing mm -hmm. kind of the value and the fact that it takes a lot longer to pick up sure. the phone and call someone and then call mm -hmm. someone else versus go in, get the information, ask a question and all of a sudden it, the answer is coming back to you and to, to everyone else who might might have that question or, or might mm -hmm. have that concern. I think the other advantage there is when you've got a lot of different sites, so they had a lot of different plant sites. Um, and so being able to reach them, make them feel like they're, no, they're not at corporate headquarters, but they're just as engaged, just as involved. Their voice is being heard just like everyone else, even if they're mm -hmm. not in the same physical mm -hmm. location was enormous. And of course you can imagine in in the COVID environment where all of a sudden everything was work from home, that it made it that much easier for, for go live during a remote environment, which is, is not necessarily typical for most companies to, to do it to that yeah. degree, but their success yeah. I think was definitely facilitated or, or somewhat enabled by the fact that, that we could digitally communicate, get, get information out to people mm -hmm. and not just through email because everybody's already overwhelmed. 
with emails. Amen. Amen to that. So a consumer packaged goods, most of the big brands, the folks that, 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 that typically turn to organizations like KPMG have been around for a while, have a lot of legacy systems. What was driving uh, legacy environments in general, but what was driving uh, this, the, the change initiatives? And then ultimately you said they were successful. Putting into the context of driving what was driving the change, what were the outcomes that 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 sort of have led you to conclude that the the initiative is moving in the right direction? Yeah, they were a, a company who had grown significantly by acquisition, but hadn't integrated their systems, their data, their processes to be working in a similar manner. Right, you've got all these people doing things in a different way, so. You know, if, if you're one of their suppliers and you're getting a lot of different invoices from the same company, um, having to deal with different processes and systems, even though it's one company, but just different brands, that's, that's costly. Um, it's harder to move people around and it's not great from a customer so yeah. perspective. So they looked at it and said, you know what, now's the time. If we want to continue growing, we can't do it in such a, a disparate manner and we got to bring it all together and, and start working, working differently, um, both from a system standpoint as well as a, a process standpoint. So they, like I said, three different, three different functions. Um, and it's, I think that's something important for us to remember. It's always a journey. Um, so they've had now three go lives across all three functional areas, but they've still got other other things coming, um, additional functionality, a different processes they want to change, mm -hmm. a different additional plants that they want to bring on board. But the fact that they've continued to learn, iterate, um, recognize that they, they can't be perfect, but really get these things done. In fact, I saw a quote from, from one of the people um, not at corporate headquarters, which was great. So, you know, it's always harder when you're out in the field because you don't feel like you're in touch or, or know what's going on. And, and they had worked at other companies and said, you know, this was, this is, I've been a part of um, two other go lives and this is the most successful go live mm -hmm. I've been a part of, which, you know, the irony being in a COVID environment when there's so much else going on, they've, you know, they've got plant disruptions and, and, and market dynamic and challenges that they're dealing with to have it go that, that well and that successfully, I think is a, a testament to them mm -hmm. um, for putting the emphasis on, mm -hmm. on change um, and making it a priority. Cause it's one thing to have all the data and information. It's another thing to act on it. And, and they have, and they did. And it's a big part of, of kind of who they, they are and who they want to be. Um, so I, I definitely feel like they still have a journey but the, the feedback that they're getting, um, their ability to make it happen and not disrupt the business, yeah. it's, it's pretty impressive. Well, I think two very important take-home points, right? That perfection was not the, objection, the objective, <laughs> but the fact that it's spreading is probably the most uh, important key performance indicator that it's being taken on, it's moving, and that you're getting deeper as well as broader. You're moving to other functionalities and you're adding functionalities within those, uh, the disciplines that you're, you're, you're harnessing, those three those three areas that you focused on. Am I capturing well, I that correctly? You, yeah. you got it. And I think that's a theme for, you know, back to the original question around um, what, what do we see happening with transformation initiatives is there really is no end um, that, you know, you get through one thing and, mm -hmm. and you learn and you evolve and you, you continue to improve and take those lessons and kind of 
adjust and, and do the next thing. And the organizations who are going to be most successful are the ones who can do that well. And doing that well, because it can be exhausting for their people, means keeping an eye on, well, what, what, do, we, what do we need to do for our people so that they don't have change fatigue, so that they understand the value, they feel like it matters and that it's mm -hmm. important. Yeah. But we live in a world today where we have to constantly be changing and evolving. Yeah, but it sounds like uh, uh, the change, the way you've described it, sounds like a building process. So yes, you're doing new things, but it's towards a goal and, and, and what happened before is somehow related to the momentum of where you're trying to go, as opposed to change fatigue coming from, you're going left, now you're going right, you're going backwards, you're going right. There's the quality to change that determines whether you result you, you, your end result is change fatigue. Would you agree with that? Is that a correct perspective? Absolutely, right? Yeah, because and, and back to the point I made around, people tend to remember the failures they can be exhausting, right? And, and they really set your perspective on what the next change is going to be like. And so, it, and that's, I think, something really important about change by design. How do we make the experience of change one that is good, that is meaningful? So you feel like the experience of going through the change and the future state are both have meaning and are worth the effort and make that effort as seamless as possible. I don't know of a better way to end a wonderful conversation than on that note. So, Michelle, what a pleasure it has been to chat with you. Thank you so much for shedding light on the nuances of, of human-centric change management and the role that data-driven decision-making can play in dynamically managing this progress towards a meaningful future. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Thank you.